This is the Cine Snob Podcast. Welcome to episode 184 of the Cine Snob Podcast. I'm Jared Kingery. And I'm Cody Viafania. And our uh, third member, Jocelyn, is still on maternity leave. Uh, though she uh, did watch one of the movies you said, Cody. She watched Hubie Halloween. Yes. Which we'll talk about shortly. Um, that seems like uh, it was a penance for her as opposed to uh, <laughs> yeah. an enjoyable time. Yeah, well, we thought that, you know, if we had to do it and put up with it, now that she's a full-fledged member of the team, uh, <laughs> she had to, you know, she wasn't going to get away with this. Right, yeah. And we are we are live on Twitch right now. Hello. Uh, we've got uh, Larry. Larry McGillicuddy is asking, how's her baby? I guess he's fine. I mean, uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, n- no reports uh, otherwise. Yeah, I mean, she posted a, a photo yesterday of, like, her in 2007, like, in a about a Longhorns game that mm-hmm. uh, I guess they, if that if they, they lost. Yeah. I guess if, if things were going, uh, weren't going well with the baby, that sounds terrible, but <laughs> I don't think, she, I don't think she'd be posting about uh, football games, but you can, you can use those clues to deduce what, I guess the baby's fine is what I'm saying. He's a baby. I'm sure he's just sleeping and, you know, there's a lot of people going, Oh, he's so adorable. Yeah, maybe. Um, so let's talk about hats real quick. The baby is a good man, Larry. Uh, let's talk about hats real quick. Cody, you're wearing a Taking Lives hat. Yes. Uh, which we uh, determined was an Angelina Jolie, Ethan Hawke movie from the early 2000s uh, that had a very 2000s cast with uh, Olivier Martinez and uh, Checky Cairo, who uh, was like huge on ER. Do you remember, did you ever watch ER? No. He was, he was no. like the George Clooney replacement. Oh. And then he was in uh, Electra. Did you ever see Electra? Mm-mm. Th- is okay. that the Jennifer Garner? Yeah, it's the spinoff of Daredevil. Anyway, um, the hat that you wanted to wear yeah, um, that is not big enough that maybe we should donate to uh, little Hugo. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Is a, maybe uh, that's mis- a baby gift. I didn't... May- we- oh, that would be yeah. a perfect baby gift. It, Mr. Bean's Holiday. Yes. Um, which I believe is the second Mr. Bean movie. Oh, I don't man. know. I don't know. There, because there's, I don't know how many there are. There are three Johnny English movies. Am I correct in that? Man, are there? I think there are. I don't. We need to look that up because I think there's. I feel like there's two Mr. Bean movies. Uh, we, of course, yeah. what those share in common is Rowan Atkinson. I feel like there's two Mr. Bean movies and three Johnny English movies. There are three Johnny English movies. As far as Mr. Bean, the only one I see is Mr. Bean's Holiday. Oh. Um, oh, there's one just called Bean. Oh, okay. that's right. Okay. I can't believe that Johnny English has more than uh, than Mr. Bean. Yeah. I feel like, but I mean, Mr. Bean has like a, a cartoon. I, look, I don't, I don't know anything about either of those two. I feel like Johnny English is a uh, sort of uh, lower rent Austin Powers. But I have yeah. no no frame of reference for it whatsoever. I've, it's it's always weird hearing Rowan Atkinson just like talk normally, and he sounds like a posh British man. It's, <laughs> it's just very strange. It's like um, when he does like something like minorly dramatic. Yeah, like instead of mugging for a camera and like falling into a bucket of paint or something. <laughs> um, there's uh, there was something I saw him in recently that I was very surprised by. I don't oh, remember, though. Uh, I, I I I know what you're talking about because I think if it's recent, 
I thought the same thing. Let, let's see. Rowan Atkinson. What has he done recently? Let's let's look at his IMDb and then maybe I can figure it out because it's it's going to drive me crazy because I know it was something that really threw me off. He played a Hitler in Peaky Blinders. Well, I don't watch Peaky Blinders, so I, that wasn't it. Um, he was in... Um, <laughs> let's see. I know he was in uh, Love Actually, and that's probably maybe what I'm... I don't know. Mm. He's, uh, maybe it's not because it, <laughs> there's only been like... He's only been in a few movies since, uh, a few things since uh, Johnny English Strikes Again, um, One Red Nose in a Wedding, uh, something called Ollie Murs featuring Snoop Dogg. Uh, that was it, right? That was probably it. Uh, Mr. Bean, Matt Willis, crap, whatever. this is all British stuff, so I have no idea. Well, this went nowhere, so... Yeah, we should probably uh, hit the parachute on this conversation. Yeah, uh, Mr. Bean talk, a uh, Rowan Atkinson talk went um, went off the rails quickly, so... Um, let's uh, let's talk about uh, some things that we know are uh, happening in the news. Cody, you uh, wanted to talk about Soul, the new Pixar film. Yeah, uh, so this had been speculated for some time, but, um, but Pixar's Soul, the directed by Pete Docter... Uh, is officially hitting Disney Plus on Christmas. And the big notable thing about this is that it is, unlike Mulan, which was a $29.99 rental, uh, uh, Soul is coming out for free on Disney Plus, which is a huge deal and probably one of the bigger movies to ever hit streaming in terms of just, like, replacing, um, like, you know, box office potential success uh, potential box office success with something streaming so it should be interesting soul seems like an interesting movie uh it seems like one of those you know it's pete doctors who did inside out so it seems like it might be one of those more uh like heady movies and and to me the most fascinating thing is that it has a trent reznor score on a pixar <laughs> movie which is crazy it has um there's been a few reviews hitting today um from um london that they call it like that, that that are have very it's very high praise for Soul. Uh, the the deadline headline says Pixar Soul recalls the lofty ambitions of the studio's finest. Mm. And then uh, uh, IndieWire says it's uh, one of the studio's very best. I mean, it, you know, early reviews always are a little rough, and I think that you know we you and I have talked about the film festival bubble. Uh, yeah, but you know, it, it is a it's a huge deal, and I don't I don't know that it's. Um, you know, I don't know that it's got any kind of buzz to it right now. I, I just feel I don't feel like it's something that I've seen a lot of going into it because it's been so, you know, uh, everything's been so up in the air. Well, I think the other piece too is that the trailers and stuff have not. I mean, we haven't been to the movies in since March, so you know, we would normally be bombarded with trailers going to the theater or right. you know, ads or or you know, cutouts and stuff like that. And without that, we there's been nothing. So. You know, it hasn't had a ton of buzz because I remember I saw the trailer for the first time, I think, watching Onward um, earlier yeah. this year. And um, and so, uh, you know, it, but again, you know, it's Pete Doctor, so I, I, I expect it to be uh, an introspective movie about, you know, contemplating life, which I think I think it, I read something that he was having like a, a bit of a midlife crisis and kind of made a movie out of it. It is is he is he the head of Pixar now? I forget. 
I believe he is. I, I believe that he is. Yeah. Yeah. With, uh, with, um, um, John Lasseter come, bec- uh, being revealed as a, uh, total creepo. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he hugged too many people and, uh, and made very <laughs> many people uncomfortable. Yeah. So he's the Pete doctor is the CCO which I okay, believe is chief, chief creative officer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I that's, that's going to be interesting because, um, I think that, you know, I, I don't know if it's ever been the case for you or your family before we started doing this gig, actually going to the movies on Christmas Day. I know a lot of people like to do that. And you typically know, there's four or five movies that open on Christmas Day. The itself. only the only one that I can vividly remember going to on Christmas Day was True Grit I saw on Christmas Day. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, you I went... Can't, Hmm? But not like specifically for Christmas, or was it just that's how it happened to shake out? I, this was me and some family members wanted to see a movie on Christmas, and we and that's what we landed on. So how'd, how'd that go? That's a kind of a um, uh, little denser Coen Brothers work. It, not my favorite <laughs> tr- uh, Coen Brothers movie, certainly, but um, it you know fine. I think it's a fine with uh, with. Uh, Jeff uh, Jeff Bridges Jeff Daniels Jeff Bridges talking like he's spitting out his gum like yeah. or spitting out his teeth the whole time yeah like um, just had a peanut butter sandwich <laughs> uh, yeah I, I think it's uh, probably going to be the only new thing hitting anything uh, well on if Christmas Wonder Day. Wonder Woman is is still on the calendar I cannot imagine it coming out on Christmas but it is on the calendar as of right now I thought it got pushed maybe I'm thinking of something else. I don't believe that it has been officially pushed. Um, yeah. Uh, so the uh, that also plays into our um, our next topic here that Regal Cinemas actually shut down this past week, mm-hmm. um, all across we, the. Oh, I was going to say we might have talked about it because they were going, they were potentially shutting, going to shut down last week, but yeah, uh, as of Thursday, they are closed. Yeah, and I can't imagine that um, most people. Or most theaters won't follow suit. I was um, I mentioned having to go to the mall last week, I think, and passing by the AMC theater, and I did notice that the um, the theater was closed again, but it the schedule was it was closed on like Wednesdays and Thursdays only, so like they weren't offering any showings on Wednesdays and Thursdays, and then we're opening fairly late. So I don't know what it looks like when it's open, um, but there's no. Um, you know, there's there's nothing else coming out. I think the War with Grandpa is probably the only theatrical release uh, that I noticed that was playing there. Well, it it all depends on the area, I think, because it, San Antonio is in such a weird place where, like, like of the movies that we're reviewing this week, like two of them are actually playing down the street from me. Um, and these are tiny movies. I mean, these are movies, I, I think I said this last time, but even at the indie theater, they would not have ever come to the indie theater. Right. Like, like they are taking everything that's opening. And, and weirdly enough, too, one of the things that's happening um, is that Netflix and Apple TV are putting out their stuff in theaters a couple weeks early. So, like, next week is uh, Trial of the Chicago 7 on Netflix. The week after is On the Rocks on Apple TV. Those are both out in theaters here. Yeah. Um, which again, super weird. It's, it's so weird right now. Yeah. I don't, I, it's, it's such a strange thing to, to be experiencing that, that these things are, 
you know, the whole year is kind of on hold and basically everything that was supposed to be released this year is coming out next year. So moving forward, you know, they, they've talked about the Oscars before. Like, I can't even imagine holding a ceremony in 2021. Yeah. I, I Well, just with with the lack of stuff that's been released, you mean? Yeah, yeah, I mean, because there's... Well, the thing is, it, it it remains to be seen what Oscar season looks like, because the stuff that's been pushed is not going to be your typical, like, Oscar fair. Right. Um, so you'll still have, I mean, David Fincher has a movie coming out later this year. Um, I, I'm trying to think of if there's any other big But it's a Netflix movie. Sure, but, but what, I mean, what no, is that? Wait, so, uh, sure, I, I get it. I mean, I see what you're saying. They're They're going to play it. I'm getting my my things crossed here. But yeah, they are going to play it in theaters, obviously. But yeah, but like Soul, if if Soul doesn't hit theaters, it won't be eligible. Well, um, they've changed the... They, they added drive-ins as a, as a thing. So um, that is a good point. I, ima- I have to imagine it's going to come out in some capacity to be Oscar eligible. I mean, there's... At this point, they're going to be lenient, I think, um, because I mean, it doesn't benefit the Oscars to be exclusive, uh, exclusionary, right now, right? In any in any way, shape, or form. So, you know, I could see some of those things changing, and I can see maybe, um, you know, making a, an exception for streaming for this year, like it doesn't have to, because previously it had to be day and date, or like at at best, and I think actually it had to open in theat- like theatrically first or at the same time. Yeah, and it was like New York and L.A., blah, 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 all the other yeah. bullshit rules. I just wonder if it's ever going to be something that 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 is um, going to be representative of what the year put out. Because, I mean, you know, there were there, there's obviously been good content, mm-hmm. but, you know, is something that that is the best of what's released going to be what wins the Oscar, you know? As opposed like to what else? As opposed to what, you know, I mean, I, that sounds wrong because that's what it's always supposed to be. But, you know, there there is these Oscar movies that, these Oscar bait movies that come out. So if if there's nothing that really, if like if you can't fill out a category, mm-hmm. like you can't fill out a best actress category, are you going to, you know, with a traditional sort of performance that really drives people, is this going to be the opportunity for smaller things to slip in? Or is it going to be something that they put off? I I have to imagine that the Oscars will want to be around because they're just you know it, I think they're they're they've been you know scrambling for relevancy for the better part of you know the last five to ten years, um, right? And I think that I think that it works. It almost works in their favor too because if if logic serves. All of the movies that are being uh, that are going to be nominated in this hypothetical award show will have there, there's going to be easy access to I feel like and so I think that the films that are nominated for the for the for the for the that year are going to be more accessible than they have been in previous years and may even feature some stuff that's you know made some made some noise on Netflix or Amazon or Apple TV or whatever. So I think that it actually works in their favor because of name recognition, because there's only so many movies that have come out this year. So, you know, the chances are if people are starved for entertainment, it's going to be easy for them to watch the Oscar movies. And yeah, I don't know. I mean, but but what you won't see is that mainstream crossover that the Oscars has been looking for for a while because there are no mainstream movies this year. Right. I I mean, I just wonder, you know, is it going to be something that, you know, you're going to get 
Julianne Moore and Alicia Vikander nominated for Best Actor Actress for the Glorias, as opposed to yeah. you know, I, I don't know. It's it's curious to me how this is going to work out uh, because it, it's it's something that has you know, there's never really been. Uh, what am I trying to say? Um, I don't know. There's never really <laughs> been uh, something that's gone so long without. We haven't gone this long without content of any kind, mm-hmm. and the idea that we're going to be content starved, you know, basically till next year. And I, you know, if there's if there's no reason for, you know, box office on something that is Oscar baity, for example, whatever whatever's in the slate to come out, you know, then. I don't know that, that the studios release it. I don't know that it, it's something that comes out and you don't just save it for next year. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. If there's an Oscar ceremony, then you have a better chance of winning this year than any other. So Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I mean, it, but then is it going to yeah. be the asterisk sort of thing that... Yeah. I mean, I mean who cares? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't, but it's yeah. one of those strange things that... Yeah. Anyway, uh, anything else before we move on? No, let's get to it. All right, let's go ahead and get started on reviews. Here are this week's reviews. First up, we have Hubie Halloween. Well, hello, my ghouls and goblins. I know you've got your costumes picked out for the frightful festivities. <laughs> and I hope you all get more treats than tricks. Halloween's your partner! Guy, Hubie Dubois is the nicest guy in this town. Here is some happy Halloween word searches. You can pass it out to the kids. Thank you so much. As a trained volunteer, I know what it's like when the spooky fun gets out of hand. <laughs> oh, you no, no, no. The supermarket selling expired bacon. Janet at the library has not been herself lately. I heard a voice in the sewer. I'm sorry, I didn't recognize. Her. So this is the latest Adam Sandler film for Netflix. Um, if you uh, if you want to uh, say that it was the one he threatened uh, for not getting an Oscar nomination for uh, Uncut Gems, I think you probably might be barking up the right tree. But uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, this is uh, of course a Halloween movie. Cody, tell us about Hubie Halloween and what you thought of it. Well, so I was I was thinking about this a little bit, and I, I was wondering how long has it been since I've watched an Adam Sandler comedy, because he recent, recently, within the past, like, five years, signed this deal with Netflix, where it was, like, four or five picture deal that's even been extended from there. And, you know, I, I think b- both you and I both liked his stand-up special quite a bit. Um, or I, I did. I don't. I don't remember if you did. Wait, um, what do you mean the the like old stuff? Like the... no, the one hundred percent fresh is Netflix stand up special. Oh, I don't think I watched it. Oh, really? I don't. I for I forgot it existed. Yeah, it's really it's it's really funny. Um, okay, I, God, I don't know wh- how I missed it, but okay. I don't know how either because it was a big deal. But um, but uh, but I had I I, I looked it back and I had looked back at it and I had not seen an Adam Sandler comedy since Pixels. Um, which was terrible. Uh, so I haven't seen any of the Netflix stuff, which I've heard is, you know, really, really bad. 
Uh, so I haven't seen like the grown. I haven't even seen like the Grown Ups movies or anything like that. So you saw That's My Boy, though, right? I did see That's My Boy. I like That's My Boy. Okay, uh, um, I do too. Uh, but um, it, it's as you can see from that clip. Uh, it's it all like the, the like from the get go. The Adam Sandler accent effect is just uh, man. I, it, it is <laughs> it is an unintelligible like take on i don't even like what is the accent like it's just it's it's a mumble mouth accent i mean it's, it's if you've seen if you've seen the water boy uh you know this is the kind of it's the kind of same thing where it's just it's like hey everybody's gonna have a yeah. halloween party you know that sort of just yeah yeah i mean it's, it's meant to be mumbly mouthed and, and weird i guess is the yeah I guess it's supposed to be weird yes and he plays a, a weirdo uh, who, for some reason, he's a guy who loves Halloween, but is yet scared shitless of every <laughs> single thing. <laughs> like I don't, it doesn't make sense why he loves Halloween. Um, uh, and and he's you know a, a weirdo who like who's like dry cleaning his piss stained bed sheets and stuff. Like, man, it, it's it's rough. And so the movie like. The movie kind of it, so it ends up being like people start disappearing, and then Hubie is is sort of takes it into his own hands to solve the disappearances. Um, meanwhile, he's bullied by every single person in town, <laughs> <laughs> except for Julie Bowen, who essentially only exists to be horny for Hubie Halloween, the weirdest guy of all time. <laughs> like her her, char- her character, literally all she ever does is just like fawns over this fucking weirdo. Like, <laughs> like there's like it's like like a beautiful 50 year old julie bowen well, is super into <laughs> this guy that's the one thing i wanted to say um just about the timeline is um like they're they're all like class of 1984 mm-hmm. which would make them like all mid 50s like which none of that none of those main characters play as a mid 50s no someone who's in their mid 50s someone who could be a grandmother yeah anyway yeah so look the what it boils down to is this movie is a tough watch um every single joke that's done is easy um especially there's recurring jokes that happen like that are just run into the ground like one of the biggest jokes of the movie is that hubie has like a swiss army thermos and there's fucking there's like 50 thermos jokes in this movie like it's so it's so exhausting and then like there's a scene like there's a running gag where he's he's biking and then people throw shit at him while he's biking. <laughs> I, I left my ass off at that stuff Did every really? single fucking time. God damn oh it. Oh my god. Oh, when like someone throws a crutch and like a computer monitor. <laughs> I hated that. There there's there's uh, there's also some self-referential Adam Sandler stuff. The movie op- I'm just going to spoil it, whatever. The movie opens with the orderly character from Happy Gilmore. It's Ben Stiller. Um uh, in that part, um, you know, <laughs> and, and I, it's just, it's just a really stupid, I think the only time I laughed out loud was Tim Meadows. I think Tim Meadows is really? the, the only laugh of the movie wearing like a terrible toupee. Uh, um, it, like the toupee in that first scene is genuinely very funny. And the fact that he's keep, he, he keeps trying to <laughs> turn Maya Rudolph on and like he, the scene where he's sucking his own fingers is, is pretty funny. Um, Besides that, look, I mean, it's 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 the typical Adam Sandler movie that you would expect, where 
what it all boils down to is that you should be nice to everyone. Like that's that's the end result of everything. And look, God bless Adam Sandler for making a career out of making shitty movies with his friends because that's all this movie really exists to do. It's, it's, and like, even like, I don't think the cameos are even good. Like I I saw a lot of people, a lot of people like this movie and a lot of people were talking about Steve Buscemi who I think doesn't even, (laughs) I don't find Steve Buscemi funny. I didn't find Rob Schneider funny. I don't find Kevin James funny in the movie. To me, it's just a, a really exhausting really dumb movie that you know the, the halloween piece again it's a guy who loves halloween but uh, like is clearly afraid of all of it does it, it don't forget that uh, adam sandler's kids and his wife are in it again yes yes yep um yeah so look i laugh my ass off a lot at this movie oh my god i <laughs> my wife and i watched it together and there's one particular scene where with Melissa Villasenor and uh, like Hubie rescues her cat from the middle of the road as it's eating a pumpkin from getting run over. Yeah. And he throws her the cat and she catches the cat and then she like mouths off to him, says something. And uh, um, then Julie Bowen drives up and threatens Melissa Villasenor saying that she'll beat her to death with her ugly cat. And then it cuts to like their reaction, like they're mugging to like Melissa Villasenor mugging to the camera, and there's this terrible like computer generated special effect of the cat mugging to the camera. Also, yeah, I remember. I that. laughed my fucking ass off at that, and I did it more often in this movie than I ever expected to. It's stupid as shit, um, and I think the the biggest part of it though is it's not. The, the biggest upside I see to it than the other Adam Sandler movies, which I haven't been a fan of, is it's not lazy. Really? Like, I don't think it's lazy. I, I think, think it's, it is entirely lazy. How? What do you mean by... Uh, how do you mean lazy? Because, I mean, the rest of them, like... I'm thinking of stuff like... Uh, like I mean, this is going dude. There's, there's like thirty jokes about a thermos. Like, yeah, but each one of them's funny because it's, no, it's none of them are funny. They fucking suck. Because <laughs> it's because it does such stupid different things. I think that I think there's a a definite drag. Like you hit the thirty minute mark, and w- we were laughing a lot, like laughing out loud a lot. There's a thirty like thirty minutes to like. Like thirty minutes in, anything that that focuses on Noah Schnapp and um, the girl, um, I, Paris Berlick, I think is her name. I don't know how you pronounce it. Um, you know, anything that doesn't have Hubie directly is is kind of dull. Um, and the stuff with the uh, with these kids, like the 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 characters that Adam Sandler's kids plays, that's not great. Um, but other than that, I thought it was. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> It's it's stupid as shit, and it boils down to the same sort of like you should be nice to weirdos, yeah, mantra that a lot of these Sandler movies do. But god damn it, there is some funny ass shit in this, and I, I'm I'm not a, I'm not ashamed to say that I laughed at a lot of it. I mean the 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 running gag about the the thermos like being just this incredible uh, multi tool that has a grappling hook and a vacuum and a telescope. I mean it's funny. No, and <laughs> it, it's objectively stupid, but it's stupid in a way that's funny, and it kind of 
honestly makes me want to go back and rewatch something like The Water Boy because I remember laughing my ass off at that movie too. And I'm wondering just how stupid it is. Man, I don't I th- to me I I don't I don't think that that I I don't I think you're going if you did that I think you would notice a different level of movie. Um because I think that every joke in in Hubie Halloween is easy. I don't think that there's anything that's hard to come by. I don't think that it's anything other than cheap laughs. Whereas I think the Waterboy, and and especially Adam Sandler's older stuff is, you know, has some thought put into it. Like it's actually funny. Like again, it's all you know. Hubie Halloween is mostly sight gags. I mean, it's it's just it's just lazy. I, again, and I'm not even you know trying to be above Hubie Halloween. I'm telling you that I only laughed at Tim Meadows. Period. That's the only time I ever laughed. God, at I, I, I'm. I'm just totally the opposite way. I mean, I laughed at a lot of it. I mean, I don't think I laughed like there there is a good stretch in there that's that's dull, I think. Um, but the the Tim Meadows stuff was good. The um <laughs> I, I liked the Ray Liotta stuff because it was so mean and strange. Uh when he kicks him into a grave. <laughs> um the I I I think June Spriggs, like June Sprig wearing different uh like, June Squib? Squib. Sprig? What did I say? Sprig. Yeah, Ju- sorry. Whatever. Uh, June Squib wearing the different, uh, like, profane shirts was funny. I, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, that's a, a random-ass cameo that I thought was funny. Uh, I, look, I'm not saying it's not stupid. I'm saying that it was fucking funny, and, and I was downright surprised that it was funny. I don't think it's, you know... It's not a, a stupid classic like The Waterboy or Happy Gilmore or, uh, you know, even Billy Madison, which it's also references Billy Madison. Um, so I, I just I'm I'm surprised at how much I laughed at it. And I think that that's um, kind of a testament to how terrible Adam Sandler's comedies have gotten, how terrible and lazy they've gotten. If and this the, if this hit a high watermark for you. Well, that that I was I was expecting to be bored and and like find it stupid like like I was expecting this to be more along the lines of uh, the wrong Missy, which I didn't hate. I think the wrong Missy is f- way funnier than this movie. See, I don't agree. I don't agree at all. I mean, I I love David Spade, and I think David Spade's great at stand up, but I think that he kind of needs the the wacky like the the belligerent person to bounce off of, and I don't think Lauren Lapkus was it. But I don't know. It, it actually made, it made, it made me feel sad to watch Adam Sandler as a 50 something year old man doing this kind of bullshit humor. I, it's, I, 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 mean, I, 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 we could not be further on this. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I literally laughed way more than I thought I would. And like genuine, like the fucking joke with the cat. I mean, I rewound it because I wanted to see it again because I, it was that fucking funny to me. And maybe, maybe I'm in a weird spot, you know, I will grant you that maybe this is um, something that, you know, if I saw it in the theater, I would be annoyed. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. So this is rated on on the 2020 trash heap curve. No, I don't. Well, I don't think so. I don't know. It's really hard to tell because we're we're so deep into it. Uh, But like I liked. um, What was it? What you're talking about? That's my boy. I think was the last Adam Sandler comedy I liked. Pixels is terrible. Pixels sucks, yeah. Um, and I don't think I've seen anything comedy-wise after that. I never saw any of the Netflix stuff until this one. Yeah. So, 
Anyway, uh, what is your grade for Hubie Halloween, Cody? Yeah, I think this movie is, I think it's a tough watch. I think it's it's honestly torturous. It was torturous for me. <laughs> I, uh, I give it a D. Wow. I'm going to give it a B minus because uh, I had a lot of fun with it and uh, I laughed a lot. And uh, this is available on Netflix now. So um, I'm just going to throw this in here as a quick comment for my shirt. Oh, did they win? I guess. No, but, oh. uh, you know, they came close. <laughs> anyway. Uh, okay. Let's go ahead and move on to our next movie. Spontaneous. Hey, mind if I join you guys? Tess, don't look now, but there's a boy staring at us. I think he's staring at you. Oh, right you are. Can't keep me down any Tell me something, just for me. First time I saw you was right after Spiros introduced me in front of the class. It was a good first impression. Caitlin was cute, airy, hardly a reason to pop like a zit. What happened? Caitlin exploded. What? Like, like a bomb? No, like a balloon what will i get these back do you want these back and the hell are they gonna let us out of here when they know it's not gonna happen again then what's gonna happen again it happened again a lot this is a comedy uh, slash sort of horror film starring Catherine langford and uh, Charlie Plummer, who we talked about in... Oh, shit. I just blanked on the title. What is the movie? Words in Bathroom Walls. Words on Bathroom Walls. Cody, tell us about Spontaneous and what you thought of it. Spontaneous is a movie that probably should not be judged by um, its terrible poster, its, uh, <laughs> its bungled release, or quite honestly, I don't think that trailer does it justice either. Yeah. Um, so it, it is a, it, it's a really dark uh premise right which is that these these people are these people these these children these high school these, students are are uh spon- randomly spontaneously combusting and it seems to be something that's afflicting only the senior class of this one school and so you have Catherine Langford's character who um who like gets a gets a text message with a guy who you know, after seeing that someone had died, decides to take a leap and, and reach out to her, and he's played by Charlie Plummer. And then they start this relationship as the uncertainty of whether or not they're going to survive um, starts to kick in. Um, it, it is, this is a surprisingly great movie. Um, you know, I had heard good things about it, but when you, you, you kind of have to watch it because it's a, it's a movie that really feels, you know, sometimes with these, um, I don't know that you would call it young adult movies, but it's sort of like that teen movie. Yeah. Um, well, it's from Awesomeness um, releasing, which does a lot of this teen movie stuff. Yeah. And, and, and the thing about it that, that sets it apart is that it feels like it has a very unique voice and, um, and a very unique point of view. You know, the dialogue is super snappy and sharp. Um, you know, there's, there's great like references to movies. Like you'll get, like you see like, uh, in the movie, like an ET reference or, <laughs> um, a great ET reference. Um, there's also a reference to, um, oh God, I can't remember. There's, there's, there's another reference in there. Um, so, uh, and, and so y- you have Catherine Langford who, uh, you know, her character's really sarcastic and, 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 you know, half of the story is about the love story that's, um, that's that's you know blossoming between Langford and, and Plummer, um, and then the second half uh, of of what you see is something like surprisingly meditative um, that kind of catches you off guard a little bit. Um, I, I think performance wise, 
you know, we talked about Plummer and Words on Bathroom Walls, who was great in that movie. He's great in this movie um, as well. Um, really enjoying watching him, um, you know, sort of take on these roles that are, you know, he's 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 taken on a couple of like roles that could have been really generic in someone else's hands. And I think he's playing them really well. Um, I think that it's Catherine Langford's movie, though, and uh, she's really great. Um, like I said, really great at delivering these comedic lines, really darkly comedic stuff, um, good sense of humor, um, and, uh, and and plays it with a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, uh, like, showing of, of acting chops that I think she's going to impress a lot of people. Um, the spontaneous combustion story is also pretty well done too, especially, you know, again, the, the darkness of, you know, like teenage kids exploding into, you know, giant, you know, puddles of blood. It's gruesome and it's dark and it's, and I really appreciate that element of it, that it doesn't really shy away from, um, you know, some dark stuff. Um, and I assume it's some sort of, uh, allegory to kind of angst and, Mm-hmm. And there, there's, there's a subplot about a um, pill mm-hmm. that's developed to prevent this, but you never really know if it's going to work. Mm-hmm. Which I, I took it to be like a sort of antidepressant. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah, I, I think that could be there. I think that the, you know, I, I saw some, you know, a lot of places say that it gets repetitive, um, and I think that is the case. But also, there's a scene in the movie where. Um, where the explosions sort of pick up a little bit. And that was a scene that was like shockingly effective for me because it, it sort of ensues, like a, like a lot of chaos ensues, if you know what scene I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really well executed um, because a movie like this with such a, like a, a ridiculous premise could really kind of um, go off the rails a little bit, I think, in terms of like the lack of believability or the suspension of uh, disbelief. And I think... Um, it, it handles it really well, and it feels uh, it feels really authentic, and the stakes feel real um, throughout. And then, like I said, the second half of the movie gets into some really, like again, surprisingly, I would say, um, like I said, meditative. It's 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 surprisingly, um, you know, uh, you know, ask some real big questions about life in general. Um, uh, you know, it's, uh, and, and it's, it's impressive. I mean, I, and I think, you know, a lot of credit goes to the script for being really strong. And, and I, you know, I, I told you this earlier, but, um, it's one of those movies where, you know, it's, it, it, it this movie was hard to come by a little bit, you know, yeah. we had, we had to rent it and it was not easy even as, you know, press folks to get a hold of it. Um, and this is the type of movie where it would, if it were put on Netflix, People would be talking about it for weeks. It would be the big movie of the of of you know a span of a couple weeks. You know this this sort of like romantic comedy ish, but also dark and and kind of weird movie would have a really good life on Netflix. And it's just such a shame that more people will not see this movie because it's really really good. Well, yeah, and you know Netflix has kind of made a niche of these uh, teen rom coms. Yeah, for better for better or worse, in that sort of. Um you know, genre thing. But I mean, look, this is one of the best movies of the year that we've seen. I mean, that I've seen particularly it's, um, you know, it's, it does have, um, that sort of faint teen movie. What would you call it? I, you know, you said young adult and I, 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 that's kind of what I mean, but like there's really swelling music 
um, like really swelling alt rock soundtrack. And then there is kind of the the um, let's say, let's call it the um, fault in our stars formula. Sure. Where you know you you kind of get the idea that something terrible is going to happen uh, without giving anything away, and I think that that that's maybe its only flaw, but I, I that may not even be a flaw in that that's just how the story is told. It's based on a novel, which you know is is a pretty standard young adult trope, but um, just the performances alone, uh, you know, Charlie Plummer's great. Catherine, Catherine Langford, this is like a, if this were a bigger movie, this would be a huge star making performance. I think, you know, this is something that, you know, she, this character is 100% unique, has an amazing lived in voice that is really hard to come by in these teen movies and is genuinely affected by the events that happen and, you know, has real conversations. It is not like, um, you know, there's there's no one there to save her. Yeah. You know, which is kind of what these things always boil down to. There's a great, great scene. I'm not going to spoil any more details other than it takes place um, between her and an older woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that sort of sealed the movie for me. I think. Yeah, I mean that scene is so good. Yeah. Um, and it's you know that that the idea that this is a you know a teen movie about you know, seniors in high school blowing spontaneously combusting. I mean, it's bloody as hell. It's, but it's, you know, it, it, the reactions to it, I think are, are genuine, you know, it's not really, you know, I, I, I hinted that it's a horror movie and I think that's kind of what it's being sold at a little as a little bit, but it's not really, it's just more of like a fantastical realism thing that, you know, this thing is happening and people don't know why, and it's only targeting these teenagers for whatever particular reason. I mean, it's just it was it was so surprisingly good. Mm-hmm. And I, I like you said, I wish it were on Netflix so it could be something that yeah gets talked about. And I think one thing we have it's really funny too. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of like really great jokes in here, and like even something that um, like there's there's a there's a your mom joke in here that's <laughs> that, that's really funny, and then a follow up to it that. You know, uh, stuff like that, that that just feels again. It feels lived in. It feels authentic. Like it, it feels like a, and you know these these teen movies can go either way with like the authenticity where it feels like it's actual teenage people, like that voice. And this movie captured this, like the teenage voice, I think, better than most do. Right, like the a lot of them have that sort of. Um like epic, we're going on a journey of self discovery kind of mindset that no teen really has mm-hmm. i don't think um the kind of movies i talk about where like it just needs like some older brother character to be like stop doing being fucking stupid yeah but uh you know this that this one has such a strange premise and the way everyone's navigating it and, um yeah and i just I, I was i was quite so it the the ending the the very last scene i think is really great and it features a great trump joke um in it <laughs> but the the last like 15 minutes of the movie i was you know including the scene that you're talking about it is shockingly existential in a way that yeah. that is um that is profound i mean quite honestly it you know the the leaving and lasting message of the film is is way more profound 
than you would expect from a movie like this. Um, if just on the surface, based on the trailer, based on you know the poster, the subject matter, everything. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a, a shitty teen rom com, mm-hmm. and it's so far from that. And it's yeah, um, yeah. There, there's there's a great funny joke that I I just remembered of uh, like a flashback between uh, Catherine Langford's character and her best friend at the very beginning when yeah. they're in a diner mm-hmm. that was just randomly weird and and funny. Um, yeah, this is, it's really, really good. And I, I, I was again, like Hubie Halloween, but in a better way, I was very surprised by how good this was. Yeah. Uh, what's your grade, Cody? Well, I think, again, I think it's very good. I don't know that it's the, one of the, it's probably in the top maybe 10 to 15 movies I've seen this year. I think that it does occasionally get a little bit repetitive. And I think that there's a, there's a small stretch in the movie where they're like contained in a bubble uh, that I think may like wears a little bit thin. Uh, that aside, again, I'm very surprised. Um, I really enjoyed it, and I'm giving it a B plus. Yeah, um, I, I I still think it's it's one of the best movies I've seen this year, and I think it's it's funny and it's genuine, and there's no I don't think it hits any kind of false notes at all. Um, so I'm going to give it an A minus. So it is uh, available uh, VOD, right? Yeah, yeah, I think you can rent Only it for VOD? like ten bucks or something like that. Yeah. Um, if you're looking for something to watch, if you haven't been renting movies or anything, like throw ten bucks to this yeah. movie. I think this is definitely really worth it. it. Yeah. All right, let's move on to our next movie, The Wolf of Snow Hollow. We have every reason to believe that this monster will show up again tonight. for six years sober for three this is scary it's new i never saw a body like that there's gonna be a lot of late nights and overtime because of the brutal murder that happened in town and i didn't want to set up expectations that i can't keep our expectations of you are very low spans the bites are gigantic same as the distance of the paw prints it's a wolf or maybe it's a werewolf no let me just make this perfectly clear there is no such thing as werewolves our killer is a guy, and I'm going to find him, and I'm going to kill And we're going to bring him to justice. We have every reason to believe that this monster will show up again tonight. I won't ask you to pray with me because of the goddamn lawyers. Where were you? Where were you? John, none of you talked to me once, okay? There's seven. So this is the latest film from writer-director Jim Cummings, who also stars. Uh, he was in a film uh, a few years ago called Thunder Road. Cody, tell us about The Wolf of Snow Hollow and what you thought of it. So the last time we interacted with a Jim Cummings movie was Thunder Road, a movie that, you know, had a, had a ton of buzz around it. And, mm-hmm. um, and uh, a movie that I think both of us were a bit flummoxed by the reaction to. I think it's. I think thought Thunder Road was a fine movie, but it's sort of. It's a movie that that I felt like Cummings wrote for himself um, f- as an actor that just featured like twenty giant monologues. Um, Wasn't that, it an expanded short? It was an expanded short, and okay. and so 
the short if you if you remember that movie it opens with an extended monologue of him breaking down at a funeral mm-hmm. that was that was all the short film was which was great okay. in a vacuum because i think it's you know it was just one long monologue where he sort of unravels and then the rest of the movie weirdly enough he played a cop in that movie too um mm-hmm. uh just sort of repeated the same thing over again and it was just basically jim cummings uh, uh you know unraveling for an hour and a half which surprise surprise is what <laughs> wolf of snow hollow is um a bit confused by the movie as it's not quite horror and it's also not quite comedy um it, and it's sort of it's this weird tweener that um that never quite settles into a tone for me um, I don't think that the humor works particularly well. I don't, th- I, I, I'm, I'm just not really a, a fan of Jim Cummings humor. Um, and then the, the, it, you know, it sort of becomes an investigation on this wolf that seems to be hunting people down. And, um, in, in the way that it, it, it basically, it's just, again, a 75 minute character study of a guy who's unraveling. And it's unfortunate because I think Jim Cummings, could be a really talented actor in the right capacity, but the way that he writes his scripts are that he kind of sets himself up for these like coming undone moments. And they just, that's just all that's, that's it. That's all there's there. It's, it's just, it's one thing. It's one speed. And, um, and so it really keeps the movie from, from going anywhere. Uh, and I, I think that the, the script is overwritten. Um, you know, there's, there's too many, uh, shoehorned jokes in there that I don't think are effective. Like I said, I think the plot is, is pretty generic overall. And I just don't think it has much to say. I mean, I, I think that it's just another platform for, um, for these Jim Cummings meltdown moments because that's, you know, it doesn't start that way, but once you get to the point where he starts breaking down all the, all the movie, um, really sort of, you know, becomes is, is that people are putting a lot of pressure on the police and Jim Cummings is not handling it well. And that's really the movie. Yeah. I don't really understand the, um, like it's called a comedy and Thunder Road was also called like a comedy drama. And I just don't see it. I don't get the funny, like there are funny bits. Um, like the, the, the clip with, uh, Robert Forster talking about the lawyers. I mean, that's a joke ostensibly, but it's not like nothing about this screams comedy to me. And it just feels like the same thing over again. Every time Jim Cummings, like this, this feels like Thunder Road again, uh, only with a potential werewolf. Um, you know, it just like, I don't understand what the point of him being the guy breaking down is as it relates to this story, because he's, he's, you know, hunting down a murderer while trying to um, like insulate his dad, Robert Forster, who's the sheriff. By the way, one of the things that bugs me the most is when they call like each other. They call each other officer, mm-hmm. but they're deputies. Like, just get it fucking straight. They're sheriff's deputies. Anyway, um, Robert Forster in his last film role, I, and I don't know. It might. It sort of feels like it, did he die while this was in production? Because it oh, feels man. like his part is really truncated. I don't know, but what I did notice was like it, it, I think that they they must have built something into the character because almost in almost every scene he's being like held up by people. You know, yeah. It, it seemed like he was not in a great place. 
making yeah it. and his character kind of takes a you know his character if you you know can kind of telegraph his fate from the beginning of the film his character does kind of disappear mm-hmm. uh rather abruptly and it's supposed to be like a plot point in the film but it just never really feels earned you know nothing ever fe- and there, there's like some strange like playing with timelines of like in montages mm-hmm. that i don't really think were i look it's bottom line it's just jim cummings melting down is what this is all supposed to be and it just feels like exactly the same thing as we saw before and i think it, it you know it doesn't really add anything to the story to have him melting down like i don't get what i don't get what's happening like i yeah. don't get why how these two things are connected other than it's the plot um just kind of like and it is getting high praise again i just feel it it was just so disappointing to me yeah, it's just it's just one note, and I think it's just it. Like I said, I don't think it ever settles into a tone. I don't think the tone is ever consistent, and I think that the the jokes just don't they don't land. I mean, I, I just don't I don't think that they're funny. I, and I maybe that's yeah. a personal preference. Maybe that's I, I don't know, but I just I think it really fails. And 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 if it wants to be like a horror comedy, the comedy piece is not quite there. And also the horror piece is not quite there. So it just, like I said, it's a weird in-between movie that I feel just struggles to ever get going. Yeah, honestly. and then by the time it's resolved, like, it doesn't really make any sense. Yeah, anyway. What's your grade for The Wolf of Snow Hollow? Um, I'm giving it a C. Um, I don't think that it's like a, like a terribly made movie. I just, it's not for me. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a C. Also, I just feel like it's something that I, I I don't get what the what the fuss is about with with Jim Cummings if it's gonna keep being the same exact thing over and over and over again. Um, but this is um, uh, this is is this on VOD and theaters also? This is on yes, yep. Okay, all right. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to our last movie, Yellow Rose. I never fit in. Never could win. This isn't the life you wanted. Though I tried and tried. It'll be better for you. This feeling don't end. I promise. I fell in love with country music when I was a little girl. When are you gonna let me hear you play? If you're too scared to perform them songs, I'll run away. Ain't gonna do no good. With I received another letter. Does anyone else here reside with you? Is there anyone who lives here? No. No one resides with you? No. No other residents? Hey! Hey! Stop falling! Where are they taking you? This is a film uh, set in and shot in uh, the Austin, Texas area, uh, featuring um, real-life country singer, uh, country sort of rockabilly singer, Dale Watson, um, who's not in the clip, but plays a pretty big part in the film cody tell us about yellow rose and what you thought of it yeah i i I didn't know much about yellow rose coming into it um other than i knew that it had some sort of austin connection so i was pretty surprised to fig to find out that like the whole thing is in the austin area austin and and bastrop and um Mm -hmm. i don't i I assume those are actual places in bastrop um the bastrop uh, yeah that hotel is that's a real motel yeah okay yeah um and um and it reminded me a lot of uh, a movie called Yellow, uh, uh, um, Wild Rose that came out last year, mm-hmm. um, a Jesse Buckley movie um, where an, like it was sort of an Irish girl who um, 
who wanted to move to Nashville to become a country singer, but it was like really, you know, it was not really about that. It was a character study. Um, and, uh, and so this movie is, is, a, is an immigration story, um, more than anything else. So it's, it's a, you know, it's a character, a young girl who is, um, who's the, uh, the, her, her mother, um, and her father who had passed away, um, are, are immigrants from the Philippines, but they are undocumented. And, um, and so her mother ends up getting, uh, picked up in an ice raid and, um, and so she must, she kind of es- escapes and, and, and tries to, um, you know, find a, find her footing and find someone somewhere to live, uh, cause to, to avoid going to foster care. Um, and, uh, I got to look up her name. So the, the, the main actress in the film is actually a Broadway, um, actress. Oh, yeah. Um, she was, she d- does, uh, was in Miss Saigon. Um, her name is, uh, Eva Noblezada. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that she is very, very good in the movie. I think it's a really good performance. I actually think the acting, you know, these, these Texas movies sometimes have these local Austin actors, um, I suspect in a lot of cases, um, <laughs> that, that really kind of, you know, it, it's funny because you can tell a Texas movie because it's always like, it's always filled with characters that are just kind of off in terms of feeling like actual actors like you can tell that they're not quite real people but they're also not like hollywood actors um and it's a quality i really like like the the people that populate boyhood you know it's 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 a bunch of like sure like characters you know um and i think for his part dale watson is actually pretty good in the movie um i think it's a good performance um and so you know the the movie becomes uh essentially about um you know, dueling stories of an immigration story and um, uh, and, and a story about a girl who's you know attracted to country music who is is really talented and uh, yeah, I I think it's a solid movie. I I, I think that uh, the immigration story feels really um, authentic in terms of you know um, more or less things that are happening to a lot of people and in the sort of fear that undocumented people have to go through of. Uh, you know, um, you know, not being able to stay in the country where they are, especially when they have kids who they're trying to give a better life to. Um, and I think that those pieces work well. I think that the relationship with the mother is, is maybe the one part that doesn't work quite as well, because I think the mother is, is that story feels a little bit disjointed at times because it's really about, you know, the, the girl, it's really about her character and her journey. Um, and, um, you know, I think that, uh, the, you know, at, at times I think it, 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 it goes down like the corny route a little bit. Um, though I don't think that it necessarily, I think it, it, it kind of toes the line with a good enough balance for me. I think that the music part is really interesting too. I think the music in it is good. Um, I like the music storyline and I like the connection that her and Dale Watson have, um, with music and, and, and like the idea of, you know, having catharsis through writing music and performing music. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's a, a really solid, if at times a little bit forced movie, but I found myself enjoying most of it. So I, I feel like the, you know, the, the immigration stuff is, um, pretty front and center. And I think that takes up a lot of the film. And I think it's, it's obviously very prescient. I think there's a little bit of, um, kind of convenience in some of the stuff there's a there's a second ice raid in the movie that we saw a little bit of in the clip that i think goes very unrealistically um by the way it's resolved for the the uh, character um 
the main character of um, what is her name? Uh, Rose. Duh. Mm. Sorry. That was, <laughs> oh man, it's been a long day. Um, the idea though that so her mother is 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 detained by ice, and you know I think the movie does a great job of portraying the awful situation of it, the reality of being, um, you know, just assigned a number as opposed to your name and the dehumanization of it all. Um, Though I don't think that any character really gets to have a good arc because I think it's spread too thin. Like, so after she's detained and, and, and taken into custody, um, those are the same thing. But after she's taken into custody and, and put in a, a detention center, she tells Rose to go visit, to go find her, her aunt. Um, played by Leia Salonga, who of course is, you know, kind of a, a Broadway legend and, you know, was in, did singing voices for Disney movies. That doesn't really go anywhere. It's just as like a pit stop along the way. Yeah, I mean, I think I so we we had some separate conversations about this, and I really think that there's a lot that happens in this movie that that is meant to push the narrative forward or reinforce some narrative points, you know. So I think that a lot of those things are just kind of showing that that she is that Rose is sort of out of place, you know. I think that the character quality that that happens with Rose throughout most of the movie is that when she starts sensing that she's not wanted, she runs away in some way. And that I think is the first kind of establishment of that character trait. Yeah, and but you know the the thing is like she's an immigrant, right? But she's very clearly of a different generation than her mother. Yeah, you know she's very clearly an American child, whether or not she's a citizen. And I don't think the movie really explores that enough. Um, you know the 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 nearest it gets to her being kind of not welcome so to speak in the country music scene is the her telling the 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 story to dale watson is that people called her yellow rose which Mm -hmm. is obviously you know a racist term Mm -hmm. um regarding her heritage other than that i don't really think it really explains why she is so much of an outcast especially look the movie says she's never been to austin if she lives in Bastrop, that's fucking ridiculous, which is plot wise, that's stupid. But, you know, the fact that she's in the suburb of a very accepting, um, you know, metropolitan area, I think is is something the movie kind of, you know, willfully ignores. You know, everyone knows Austin is the like the the different city in texas Mm -hmm. you know if this were set like somewhere in the middle of west texas or east texas or something then i could understand that um i just feel like it doesn't ever portray her as someone who's struggling with like because she's clearly extremely talented um and you know all she you know she would you know obviously she's the the character is shy and she has to kind of find her voice but you know the the idea that that she's sort of an outcast in this in this country music genre is never really portrayed i don't believe and you hmm. know the the problem i, I uh, go ahead go, no go ahead well i was just going to say I, I i i i see what you're saying but i also don't think that that's a story that they ever 
like that's ever hinted towards but not explored i I just think that i don't you know i don't i don't think the outcast nature of it is part of the narrative well the 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 song she sings is literally about being a square peg in a round hole i mean that's kind of the the thesis of the movie right but i i took that more of of a of it of like not necessarily in country music i thought that that was just more of a i don't know maybe but see but see and, and, and if you try to apply it to the immigration stuff like yeah obviously um you know she's you but know she, facing down this very real fear of ice showing up but like i said she's of a different generation than her mother like she is not she doesn't remember the philippines she's an american child yeah but she's she's also never treated as an outcast and also her her connection to country music is never seen as weird or strange i mean but like, i she, i feel like the movie tries to make that point Mm, I and I don't feel I like that. it. Anyway, um, I, I think the the character of that Leia Salonga plays doesn't really add anything to the film, and I think you know it gets a little hokey um, with uh, the bar owner letting her live there in the bar, which you know, and then her her finally getting onto Dale Watson. I think the Dale Watson character has the potential to be something that is really kind of profound. Like it, it reminded me a little bit like like the way I think it should have gone was um um the relationship in Bull. You remember Bull mm-hmm. with the sort of reluctant person taking him over. Because like in the film, Dale Watson's just a goddamn nice guy, you know. There's it's hinted at that he's had these these demons like he was barely fathers to his own kids. But it never that never is really borne out. You know, he's just a nice old man, country singer who takes in this girl, um, you know, kind of sight unseen. And uh, I, I feel like there's there's a complexity there that's missing. And I just feel like that's kind of the whole thing. Like the movie hints at a more complex problem for the character of Rose and never really delivers on it. Well, and I think that, that the difference is I don't disagree with what you're saying. I also think that, you know, if we're talking about the ant storyline, I think that there's a lot of, hinted but untapped stuff with her aunt's husband as well um yeah. like like being like a closet racist or something like like there's something like strange about that relationship that's either like controlling or abusive even that they hint towards but never go down the, the difference is that i think that those are those are things that could have made a good movie better because i think overall i think it's a solid watch and i was watching it and i and i was you know, I think that the story beats that it hits are good. I think that the performances are good. I like, I mean, but I mean, I like when when these sort of music movies come out and they feel authentic and real. Um, and so for me, you know, I think that I don't think that what you're saying is invalid, but I also think that that it's a the good movie that that could have been great with some of these changes. See, I think it's a sloppy movie that could have been better. Uh, I think that there's just I think there's too many. Um, there's not enough character motivation there's not enough kind of background into you know who rose is other than that she her mom is uh you know and that she's an immigrant from uh, the philippines and her mother was deported uh or is threatening to be deported um i yeah i, I don't know what's your grade cody uh, like I said, I, I I think that it could be better. I think I don't think that I don't I don't I don't agree that it's sloppy because I think it's a well made movie, um, and I think that the again there's there's just areas where you're like okay well 
maybe they could have done this instead of this and it would have accentuated it. It would have made it even better. So um, th- that being said, it's, it's, it does have flaws. So uh, I'm going to give it a solid B. Yeah, I, um, I was waffling between a C plus and a B minus. I think I'm going to give it a B minus because I do, I do like uh, um, uh, Eva Noble Zeta very, very much. I think she's incredibly talented and, and, um, you know, is I think in her mid twenties, but looks like she's fifteen or however. The yeah, she's got the Taylor was. Russell affliction. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think that I, I liked Dale Watson in it. You know, I've I've um, he's kind of a cartoon character of a person anyway. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him before this, but a little bit. Um, you know, it's that kind of uh, cartoon rockabilly thing that's happening, and I think he I think he does well with what he's got. I think that that character could have been much deeper. Um, so I'm going to give it a B minus. Fair. Yeah. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. Next week, what do we got, Cody? So next week we have uh, potentially a great week because um, three of the movies um, coming out have have like rave reviews, like best of the year type quality. Mm-hmm. Um, so first off, we have the new Aaron Sorkin movie, Trial of the Chicago Seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seen a lot of good, lot of good uh, reviews for that. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's only Sorkin's second movie that he's directed, and I really liked his first one, Molly's Game. I did too. Um, it's it's a it's a little overwritten in that I don't think real people would quote the Crucible to one another. Aaron Sorkin is overwritten. Is no yeah, way. no, it is. I mean, it is Aaron Sorkin. I I get it. The, I mean, look, I think both of us are, are people who think that there's a good Sorkin and a bad Sorkin, and he's in finding that line is sometimes a challenge. But Molly's uh, Game, Molly's Game was really good. I really did like Molly's Game. Yeah. Uh, we also have uh, a documentary called Time uh, that's being released on Amazon that is supposed to be great. One that I'm really excited about, I don't know how you're going to feel about it, kind of wish Jocelyn would be back for this one because I, I, it's up her alley too, is, uh, is David Byrne's American Utopia. Uh, the, uh, the documentary based on the Broadway show from David Byrne from Talking Heads, mm-hmm. um, directed by Spike Lee, um, and uh, getting rave reviews from from its release um, at festivals and and just the show in general. It's a show that's played all around. Is it about the Talking Heads? No, no, it's a live performance. Oh, it, oh, it's, it's oh. a performance of a of sh- a show that he toured for a long time and then was on Broadway with, and then Spike Lee filmed the performance and directed the performance. Wait, so it's a musical performance? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a concert basically. Gotcha. Um. And is then, he going to wear the big suit? That's all I want to know. He's not going to wear the big suit from Stop Making Sense. No, son of a bitch. But it's it's like a cool setup where like he it's like him and like a twelve piece band and they're all wearing the same clothes and all of their instruments are wireless. So uh, so everyone that's playing a, mu- a, a instrument on stage is like moving around the whole time. It's it's apparently it's an incredible show. Um, so I'm really excited about it. And then for the fourth movie, I think we might do a movie with a great title. Uh, that I saw at South by Southwest that didn't happen uh, called Shit House. Ah, uh, a movie that I'm I, I would be interested in revisiting because it's one of those movies that like the, the director of it. Uh, his name is Cooper Rafe. He's like twenty three, uh, and um, and uh, he it's 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 uh it's an interesting thing because it feels like yeah he's twenty three. Uh, it, it feels like a guy who's making his first movie who you can feel like at some day, some point is going to be great, but like is not quite there yet. Um, um, so maybe shit house, maybe something else. I don't know. 
All right. Well, if you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob.net. Find us on Twitter at Cinesnob, Facebook Cinesnob Critic. Listen to our other shows, Re-MCU, Rewatching the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I'm sorry I didn't I didn't get to watch anything this week, Cody, so we didn't mm. get to record anything. It's yeah. been a busy week, god damn it. Um, and then, uh, what's the other one? Oh, yeah, Quarant Stream, which we're hopefully recording a new episode soon uh, with another um, guest that uh, is new to us. Uh, Cody, you have the Ramble. Yeah, uh, Ramble Radio Tuesdays and Fridays. Uh, Ramble, the regular Ramble on Wednesdays, and then Goodwillow Hunting uh, on Thursdays. This week will be uh, Full Metal Jacket is this week. And then in the subsequent weeks, we're doing, um, uh, well, I'll, I'll let you watch Goodwillow Hunting and figure that out. Oh, look tease, at you teasing. Teasing. Uh, yeah, you can uh, also find my work on uh, The Hard Times. I've got another article in the uh, hopper ready to come out. Um, a lot of fun times going on here in the world yeah. going to shit. So uh, anything else before we go, Cody? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I'm excited for for the rest of October. I think we've like I'm looking even beyond the, the week after there's some um, there's some stuff that um, I'm really looking forward to. We've got the Borat sequel coming up in a couple. Oh, of weeks. yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's uh, it's 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 crazy that you know, we're going on, I don't know how many weeks, not in a row because we took a week off, but but this is the most productive we've been since we started this show. And it's uh, it's it's interesting. I, I'm, I'm watching a lot more movies than I have in a long time. Yeah, you know, going, I think I've talked about it before, but going to the theater is a chore sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I know that sounds stupid, but being able to watch everything at home is great. Yeah, I mean, it's so much easier to just say I, I can pop in a fourth movie because if I was going to the theater, it would be, you know, for you sitting in traffic, you know, plus the movie plus whatever is, is you know, you could watch two movies in that span. I mean, to get, yeah, to get across Austin sometimes, it was like an hour just to get there. It's like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Uh, okay. On that note, I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.